Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content. God knows it's better than the product on the field. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review and rating because it helps other people find the show. We've still got all of the series-by-series updates, plus the bleacher banter that you love. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the cases for the Cubs being buyers and sellers at the trade deadline. Let's be honest, it's closer to sellers at this moment in time. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Same as it ever was. I mean, we got through the all-star break. We came back and we're just doing the same stuff. You know, back back at Wrigley, it's nice. Weather's been holding up and nice... You know, nice summer days out at Wrigley Fields, selling out cup snakes being sold, beer bats. You know, everybody's having a good time watching the Cubs lose. It's it's pretty much because uh, yeah. you were there Saturday, you know, then, then you might have had some fun. I was there Saturday and Saturday was great. But as I would say, the vibes at Wrigley are good and the baseball is bad. Let's just jump right into it. This was yeah. a must win series for the Chicago Cubs against a Red Sox team. That if you listen to our last episode uh, with Gabrielle Starr from the Boston Herald, big shout out to Gabrielle for joining us and sharing so much great Red Sox knowledge on the last show. Um, This is a Red Sox team that we knew was better than the Chicago Cubs. And also, like, the Cubs didn't have to make it so obvious. They drop two of three. They fall to eight games back in the division, eight games back in the wild card. There are 14 games left until the trade deadline. I don't see how this team can be anything but sellers. And Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman just keep going out there day after day, making the case that they should net really good returns. Yeah. I mean, and I, by the way, great job with Gabriella. That was a really great episode. I did get a chance to listen to that. If you want, it's pretty much everything that you'd want to know about the Red Sox, you know, and cause she's so great and so knowledgeable, but um, yeah, I mean, we came in knowing that they'd be better, but we went in with our best three pitchers and that has been a strength of the team. And then Kyle Hendricks gave up four home runs and there were, and they gave up six home runs total in a game that Cody Bellinger hit two home runs. So you're scoring six. You usually win those, but not against the Red Sox. Apparently Um, some dumb decisions being made in my estimation. Uh, Devers just comes in, just smoking the ball uh, in the, in his first two at bats. And then there's this decision where, Ross, I mean, sure, let let uh, Hendo go out there against Devers. No problem with that. 80-some-odd pitches. But then to pull him after Devers then s- singles after hitting two home runs against the guy, and then you go get K, and th- like just none of it makes any sense to me. I'm done. I'm not questioning anything anymore. I'm just going to sit back and just, you know, take my little baseball naps from innings you know, five through seven, wake up and take me out to the ball game. Um, you know, listen to Pat Hughes on the radio who gives me great comfort and, um, and, and good, great vibes, but there's no excuse for this baseball anymore because you're at home, Red Sox. And we heard it from Gabriella. Like they're not firing on all cylinders this year. They're in last place. They've had a lot of injuries. They're not going to compete. I mean, they're trying to they stay have no well. pitching. They've got they no have pitching. Like three starting pitchers. We saw all of them. <laughs> we saw all of them. Well, but Bello was impressive. I mean, I'll say that much. He kind of comes as advertised, but he's, he's basically like Kyle Hendricks, you know, a pitch to contact guy. Well, Bayo younger and Pedro, Pedro anyway. Martinez thinks Bayo is the truth, man. And anytime Pedro thinks somebody is the truth, I am going to listen. Um, but let's just get into it. Eight hits. I mean, it, he gave up eight hits to it. I'm just saying like, we yeah, weren't yeah. like yeah, missing yeah. the ball. It, it wasn't, I wasn't all that impressed by him except for the fact that he beat us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm the only reason I want people to know that it's Bayo because the dude is Latino and we should uh, say his name Latino. Well, way. What's his first name? Brian. That that's why everybody think it's it's Bello because his first name is not very Latino, and, and his first name looks very like white. It's like B R A Y A. It's like one of those like hodgepodge white names that you would you would expect. But <laughs> I actually did this to be clear. I did this exact same pronunciation 
um, not on a recording. I was having a conversation with Derek Van Riper about some fantasy stuff and we were chit chatting and I called him Brian Bellow too. Cause that's what, I mean, I, I say this as a woman who like looks at Latino names all the time. He's like, it's Bayo. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then he explained it and I was like, okay. And so it's been my mission to get people to call him the right name. Cause I do think that dude is the truth. I agree with you. Kyle Hendricks, uh, just the the home runs, man, just absolutely killed by the home runs. It looked like old school Kyle Hendricks. And I don't know how much of that was the weather. Friday night was like very muggy, humid, like perfect, like ball jump off that weather. Uh, and the Cubs got a little bit of that too from Cody Bellinger. But honest to God, man, it was just not. I agree with you. The decision making was bad. It was not good baseball. Uh, Saturday, let's spend some time on the win. Marcus Stroman was excellent. Once again, another quality start, six innings pitch, three hits, only one run. It was earned. Um, he is going to be amazing when he gets traded to the Blue Jays or somebody um, in a week or so. And this game, for at least, the Cubs bats were lively. Cody Bellinger hit a grand slam. Everything was clicking. I just don't know what is up. The offense is either like non-existent entirely or fire. And yeah. as far as I can tell, the difference in these games is like the offense that includes Mike Talkman is pretty good. The offense that has like Miles Mastroboni in it sucks. Did you see? I forget which Cubs Twitter account had this tweet yesterday, but Miles Mastroboni has 80 plate appearances and one RBI, Danny. One. All year. Yeah. It well, that's not April his 4th. fault. It's just the idiots before that's Mark crazy on base. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's not doesn't offer you a you know a lot of comfort when you when you see him coming to bat with uh nobody on with somebody on base. I, I did see a tweet from Corey Friedman which compared Miles Mastroboni's numbers to John Lester's numbers. And uh, <laughs> I'd rather have Lester. Yeah, Lester was better. And uh, you know, it, and I don't know you put Mastroboni at third all the time just to try to get him in the lineup. I don't understand why, you know, you do have Patrick wisdom who hit uh, a home run this weekend and now is tied for the lead with morale. Who's your other third baseman. Who's now playing second because of the injury to Dansby, but you've, and then everybody, all the, listen, I try to listen to every single podcast Cubs podcast out there. I don't catch them all, but I try to listen to everybody at least uh, once a month or once every couple of weeks or something like that. And there's so many, but I hear all these people being like, we need to trade. Like we got the nationals coming to town. We need to trade for, you know, our old cub. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, their third baseman. Oh my Jamer God. Candelario. Jamer Candelario. Yeah. It, it was in my head. Went away. We need to get Jamer Can Candelario. No, we don't. We have, we have somebody to play third base. Like we, his name is Christopher Morrell. And for whatever reason, like they won't let him play there. And, and I, I don't understand it because why bring Jamer Callen Candelario to play third base for you when you already have better production out of a guy that can play third base. I, I mean, is Jamer Candelario some sort of gold Glover third baseman? No, he's the normal guy. He plays for a bad team. Like, you know, I'm. Just, I feel like I'm in crazy land right now, watching this team. The lineup decisions, the Master Bonies, the Tucker Barnhart being out there all the time, Amaya never playing. You know, just like it's just not how I would run it. I think it's not how most Cubs fans would run it. When I'm listening to all the different Cubs podcasts, everybody's. I mean, for Sun Ranto to be the positive show these days is saying something. <laughs> Because we kind of make our bread and butter and we trade in being cynical. And now I'm, you know, zig and zig and zag, you zig, I'll zag. It's like I'm trying to find some bright spots. And the bright spot would be let the damn kids play. Get I don't want to see Mancy any, any, anymore. That was a bad signing. It was dumb. Just call it. You know what the Dodgers would do? Release him. Let him find another team. They wouldn't care. Like, why the sunk cost? You're not if if you're not trying to win, and you're trying to tell your fans you're not going to try to win. Then by all means, leave Trey Mancini out there, play Miles Mastroboni. Let's see more Barnhart. If that's what you're trying to do to, to tank for another stupid draft pick that nobody cares about, um, you know I want to see the kids play. Matt Mervis is down there hitting home runs again. Where the hell is he? Let's see. Let's see Amaya play. Let's see. You, you know. Bring a PCA for God's sake. I don't care. Okay. You know, 
you just said like three things there I want to talk about. So yeah. let's do them in order. The first is uh what is going on with Miguel Amaya's playing time? I looked at this at the start of the week because I was like, why, what is going on? It just feels like Miguel Amaya is not getting any playing time. And it looks like the split right now is that Jan Gomes gets 50 to 60% of the playing time and Miguel Amaya and Tucker Barnhart have an even split. And this is plate appearances, by the way. This is not about their catching. This is just plate appearances. Have about an even split of the remaining plate appearances. One of these dudes is not like the other and can actually hit and would be a much better DH option than Trey Mancini. I do not, for the life of me, understand what Miguel Amaya is learning in the dugout, hanging out during games that he can't learn being the designated hitter. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, I mean, and you're you're already, everybody was all, already concerned about his development because of the injuries very young. Oh, he didn't play because he was injured. Well, now he's not playing and he's not injured. He's gonna right. he's gonna get the same injury as um who's the guy that got the splinter in his butt and then he had to go on the IL. Was that Rios? That's not real. Is that real? That's pretty No, crazy. it didn't. It was a joke I made because the guy never played and then he was <laughs> he played about? he took one at bat and then went on the IL. It was like Alex. I'm like, I'm old enough to remember when Brandon Morrow heard himself pulling on pants, but, you know, splinter in the butt is a new one for me. Let's talk about the second part of what you said earlier that I am super interested in here. Where is Matt Mervis? Like, I have done some deep dives on StatCast looking at numbers for things like hard hit rate and barrel rate. And these are the types of indicators that tell you if a guy is just getting super unlucky or if something is broken. By the way, News, newsflash, Wilson Contreras's hard hit rate, barrel rate, all of that is super fine and amazing. It looks exactly like it has the rest of his career. He, that dude has just been unlucky, unlucky. He's about to have a monster second half. Cody Bellinger, who every Cubs fan is like, we must extend Cody Bellinger. That dude's numbers have cratered. His barrel rate is the worst of his career. His hard hit rate is not very good. Like he is getting very lucky at the moment. So frankly, I'm Fairly certain the Cubs oh, yeah. are about to trade him into, uh, turn him into some teenagers, but they probably should because unless they they think they can sign him to like a five or six year, 90 to a hundred million dollar deal, which no Scott Boris client has ever opted for in the middle of a season ever. Uh, I think he's about to turn into a pumpkin. Well, which is, I guess that's what you do. You, let's go selling again three years in a row. I mean, good luck. I, I mean, oh. fa- good luck because the fans keep showing up. So I distracted my, I distracted myself. Uh, Matt Mervis's numbers under the hood look excellent. They look fine. The barrel rate is fine. The hard hit rate is fine. The max exit velocity is fine. It looks like Matt Mervis got tremendously unlucky with his time with the Cubs. And he was great. He's been great in AAA both times. So I really don't know why we're hanging on to like Trey Mancini and Jared Young and letting them do stuff at first base. The only first baseman I'd rather see over there right now than Matt Mervis is Cody Bellinger. And I don't think he's going to be a Cub in two weeks. Yeah. And it, he might not be. And which, which is a problem as well. And not because of Cody Bellinger specifically not being a Cub, but just the fact that you don't really have anyone else to pay, play his positions. You know, you, I guess Talkman could be your center fielder, but that's not a winning team. Uh, he's been fine, but the batting average is pretty low. And, you know, it, it's just, he's got no pop. You know, Bellinger's got some pop. He had three home runs this weekend. So, uh, he's been one of your, he's been one of your best hitters for the last month. Like there was the injury thing that happened. The question was, could he recover from uh, the injury that he had that took him off of his MVP season? And this year he's, he's kind of proved himself, you know, he's, he's come back. And uh, even if the peripherals aren't there, the, the actuals are great. (laughs) So, you know, He's got some playoff experience. He was with a winning team for years. He knows how to win. Like, I think that he would be a great um, add to any team, but he would also be a great add to the Chicago Cubs in their future. They don't necessarily have a proven center field. Like, it is uh, PCA uh, automatically going to come up and hit 300 and be a, like a plus two defensive war player? I don't know. We all hope this, but we've seen rookies come up and struggle. 
first base. We don't know what's going to happen there. Matt Mervis, same thing. He came up, even though peripherals were there, that he came up and he struggled. He looked frustrated. He can play first base, but do you want to just hand the keys over there or do you want to get some guy like Cody Bellinger on your team and some veteran know-how? They chose to do that with Hap. They chose to do that with Dansby Swanson. Um, they, they basically blocked their corner outfield spots by having Seiya Suzuki and uh, Ian Happ, who have incredibly underperformed this year. Um, you know, so you got your outfield locked up. Your best guy you're going to send out the door. Like, what are we doing here? Like, there. oh, we have placeholders. Now we're going to be good in 2024. I don't even see how you're good in 2024 if you start getting rid of Marcus Stroman and, and Cody Bellinger's of the world, even though they might walk anyway. So what are we doing here? Like, oh, there. This team is not like a handful of guys away from a 2024 run. Like they are just not. I mean, at this moment in time, with what they have, considering what they're going to get at the trade deadline, and look, trade deadlines can be funky things. I was just thinking on the way home from yoga that the best move that Jed Hoyer has made in my time as or in his time with the Chicago Cubs was absolutely turning Scott Efros into Hayden Wisniewski, taking like your four years of control for the elite reliever arm and turning him into six years of a starting pitcher. That's a no brainer. 10, 10, do it again. And what that might mean is that if some team is willing to part with an MLB close starter and the ask is Adbert Alzali or Mark Leiter Jr. I think the Cubs should do that deal. If Jed can get someone com- to bite on that, they should absolutely do that deal because they are 99% certain going to lose Marcus Stroman. It's great to hear that Stroman is open to potentially re-signing if he gets traded, but the number of times that actually happens is relatively small. Um, let's talk about this third game really fast. Speaking of pitching, Justin Steele did not look like himself at all, although I will say it that big inning started off the quote-unquote double that Nico, Nico Horner fields correctly 95% of the time. And it looked like an air from where I was sitting in right field. But honestly, that just can't happen. Yeah, it can't happen. But it was also an error. I don't know what's going on with the scores this year, but they're not calling anything an error anymore. I don't know if like the players got their feelings hurt and they're like, please stop calling it errors. I'm so embarrassed in front of my mom or what, whatever's going on with this participation trophy MLB that we are currently witnessing errors. They're being light on them and I don't know what's going on there. Um, but yeah, that should have been called an error. Those and and here's the what happens instead of Nico just taking an error, which he probably doesn't really care about. He probably thinks he should have made that play. He probably would call it an error. But the sad thing is, is to say goodbye to Justin Steele's ERA. Not that, you know, winning the ERA championship is any good for your team. I mean, it obviously helps the team, but, and it, but it's an individualistic st- stat, but it's a shame to see that get uh, stuck on Steele. He wasn't great yesterday though. Um, I know we've been all kind of waiting. He was an all-star maybe just a little tired from those festivities coming back off of it. They gave him an extra day to kind of settle in. I was a little surprised they went with Hendo in the first game and didn't let Steele pitch. Who's been arguably your best pitcher till the the third game, especially to make him pitch on a Sunday when the Cubs do not win specifically at Wrigley field on a Sunday when the Cubs have never won this year, they're Owen eight in that, in on Sundays at Wrigley Field, like <laughs> what's going on? Are they like just partying hard on Saturday night? Like, is it always David Ross's lineup on Sunday? Are they just taking the whole like day of rest from the Lord thing super seriously? Yeah, the, the day of bat rest for the Lord. So, um, you know, so he came back a little shaky, um, little disappointing because of that, but. You, you know, he only has those two pitches. Like, I remember having these conversations with you, Sarah, and you saying, I don't understand how he's doing this. Um, this is going to revert to its mean, and it's going to be ugly when it does. And I, it hasn't really happened yet. Um, even yesterday, he did dance out of some fire, but it wasn't – he wasn't crisp yesterday. And I don't know, it's either the Red Sox had a good game plan on him or – we're going to see people start figuring out Justin Steele's two pitches and he's not, do you think, here's a question. Is Justin Steele going to be your ace? Is he going to be an ace pitcher a la Clayton Kershaw a la, you know, Max Scherzer? Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. No, he's not, but he can be an ace 
a la John Lester, in my opinion. And the question for me, and, and to be clear, to do that, he probably needs one more pitch. He's young enough that he could still develop one. Um, he needs to continue to have the elite command and sequencing that he does on the pitches that he has. And John Lester is also an ace. Is he going to the Hall of Fame like Scherzer or Kershaw? He is absolutely not. Like, I, there is a, I actually think this is a total aside. I think the John Lester Hall of Fame case is super fascinating because he's got all the postseason accolades. Like, the dude was nails in the postseason. He basically pitched a full season in the postseason over his career. And he has like this body of work in the regular season that is not of Hall of Fame standards as of this moment in time, us talking right now. But in 10 years, because pitching has degraded so much in terms of the number of innings people throw, the number of wins they can accumulate, the number of strikeouts they can accumulate, like all of the like pitch limit stuff that didn't really exist until the generation of pitchers that are John Lester, that in 10 years, when no pitchers have gotten into the Hall of Fame for a while, John Lester's body of work is going to start to look pretty good comparatively to the other dudes who are eligible. Like once you get the Kershaw's in and the Scherzer's in and the Verlander's in, there's going to be this group of pitchers where it's like, they're super cuspy about whether they're in the hall or not. And John Lester is absolutely at the top edge of that group. And so it's, I'm not saying for the record that I think Justin Steele is a cuspy hall of fame guy. I don't think that at all, but I do think he has a 5% chance of turning into John Lester. And if he turns into John Lester, that can be an ace, but it's better if you have a real ace and John Lester is your number two. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, the strikeout numbers haven't been there for Steele as much as maybe you'd like. He has a couple of eights thrown in there and that's a season high, but mostly you're looking at, you're not even really getting a strikeout per inning oftentimes, although he did that last time. But the last two outings, 10 hits against Boston, nine hits against Milwaukee. So they've been squaring them up a little bit. Um, you know, it just hasn't seemed quite the sharp as sharp as it was. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. He's still young. I, I really like Justin Steele. I think he's a great asset, too. I'm not trying to come down on him. It's just that when I, when I see how the – how they're valuing maybe their guy, uh, you know, how the Cubs are deciding to put this together. I feel like they're doing, they're trying to always do it with people that are one or two wins above replacement. Nobody's like the best at that, at this in the majors. Like if you look up and down um, the leaders in the league, the Cubs are the top of the list in very, very few categories. And two of them were ERA which was Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman. The other one was Ian Happ because he, he walks all the time. Um, and that's it. I don't, I would like to see somebody a little bit more dominant to front the rotation and especially, and cause now we're already talking about next year, right? I mean, the rest of this season, you got to expect that somebody's going to call and inquire about some pitching. And starting pitching, I mean, you got the obvious choices of Marcus Stroman, but and the not so obvious choices of your Kyle Hendricks, but not if he's given up four home runs a day. Who the hell would want him? The second um, one would be Drew Smiley, who's also like kind of fallen uh, off. Who you're stuck with is Steele and Tyone, like because you got the cost control Steele, uh, who's is he even arbitration yet? I don't think so. Maybe Steel? next year. I hold, hold please. Fascinating yeah. radio while I look up Justin Steele's arbitration status. I think he's next year, cl- but let close. me just double check. Uh, he is on the league minimum deal for this year. So, you know, Judd Hoyer loves that. He is arbitration eligible in 2025. So he is not, even. Yeah. Please. So next year he's cost controlled too. Yeah. So, I mean, you got a situation like that going on and you got Tyone for three more years. So you got those two guys in, but if you're, if you're not looking to compete, you have to replace all of those arms at the end. You're going to have to replace Hendo eventually. Smiley you might is... have to replace Hendo this year. Yeah, he could exactly. get traded. I mean, he hurt his trade value with that four home run display against the Red yeah. Sox. But like, yeah. yeah, there are a bunch of teams who could use some innings, innings eaters. I was working on some stuff for my fantasy baseball podcast um, yesterday, last night, and 
dude, the Diamondbacks don't have starting pitching at the moment. The prospect they called up, Brandon Fott, has really struggled. And like the they have four starting pitchers listed on roster resource at Fangraphs while Merrill Kelly is out. One of those starting pitchers is Zach Davies. That is a contending team that is giving like real innings to Zach Davies on purpose, which is totally mind-bogglingly baffling to me. I mean, there's a bunch of dudes on the Cubs staff, Smiley, Stroman, and Kyle Hendricks, who other teams would love to have on their on their staff, even just to eat innings, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even just to get you into the playoffs, even if you end up putting somebody like a Kyle Hendricks in the pen or something like, you know, whatever you would need. I mean, the Cubs, that has been our strength. So if we can trade from our strength, the problem is that strength instantly becomes a weakness because we don't have somebody to take their place. Like, Hey, I'm going to stand by my statement. If you're not going to win this year, then let's let the kids play. I want to see Caleb Killian in the rotation. I want to see Hayden Wisniewski and let them work out their kinks and let them throw to Miguel Amaya if that's what we're going to do next year because how much more valuable will the end of this year be is if these are all like some extended spring training. I don't know if you remember last year because I know we caught some games at the end of last year, Sarah, but my fall training hat where I took a spring training hat and – covered up the spring part and just rode in fall on a piece of duct tape. That's what I want. I want to pull out that hat again. And for the rest of the season, we're going to do fall training. And, and that's, I want to see the kids play. I want you to get what you can for the pieces you can, because you refuse to sign anybody, even though Stroman seems open to it. I think he would sign something. I really do. I think he likes Chicago. I think he sees this Chicago defense and knows that he is not as good of a pitcher on a, a bashing team with a crappy defense because those balls are going in play. Same with Justin Steele, same with Hendo, same with Ty. They're all pitch to contact dudes without a strong defense. You don't have much of a pitching staff. They know that. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, we are well overdue for a break for our sponsors. I think we're done talking about this Red Sox series anyway. So we're going to take a quick break. On the flip side, we're going to preview uh, the Nationals coming to town. That's a team that is definitely selling, although probably not before they face off the Cubs. But first, a quick break. All right, we're back. Uh, Danny, the Nationals are coming to town the probable pitching matchups are as follows. Mackenzie Gore, who has been very good this year. The Nationals acquired him from the San Diego Padres, part of the blockbuster Juan Soto deal. Um, old pal Trevor Williams. Uh, so I, I'm against Jamison Tyon. I'm sure that's going to be a real barn burner on Tuesday night at Wrigley. And then <laughs> TBD, Patrick Corbin, unclear against Kyle Hendricks uh, for the finale on Wednesday. What do you see from these pitching matchups, Danny? Um, well, we're hitting them with the back of our rotation, uh, and they're, they, that's all they have is the back of a rotation. Can we talk about Drew Smiley for one second? <laughs> because I actually really wrestling with what to do with Drew Smiley in fantasy. He was so good at the start of the season. He has struggled in like his last three or four outings now. And I it's a little bit of sequencing. It's a little bit of his pitches aren't doing what they were doing earlier in the season. Also, probably a little bit of fatigue. The man is already at like close to 100 innings. And I think the most he's thrown in the last seven years is 126 innings. So he is rapidly closing down on maxed out innings efforts, as far as I can tell, relative to his recent career. I just do not feel great about Drew Smiley at all. And Mackenzie Gore has been really good this year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Drew Smiley... He, he was never really supposed to be a guy. I mean, he was supposed to be like uh, a veteran that can kind of uh, back end of your rotation. The Cubs obviously like him. They've they've had him on the team. Like now this is like his third time on the team after if you can if you count the uh, when they rehabbed him from uh, Tommy John, they rehabbed him for two years um, and then brought him back again and then brought him back again and just keep giving him contracts. There's something they like about the guy. Um, they traded him once, I believe, already. Yeah. And I think they're going to do it again. Um, if they can get anybody taken. But, uh, you know, Smiley got his ring with the Braves. Obviously, veteran know-how. He was throwing, weirdly enough, that curveball pretty much 
every single pitch. Like he threw more than half curveballs, wasn't it? Like when he was yeah, doing he's well. Been but like, I don't know that that was by choice. I think that was just like what was working, right? Like I actually think that Smiley is pretty crafty and he has been trying to like force things to work that are not really working that well. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. It's just like it, the problem is once a book gets on you and you're like, Hey, all this guy's throwing is a curveball," And then they look at the tape and you're like, Oh, that's what it does. Okay. Well now I'm going to go up there and smash it. And that's what's been going on uh, with him lately. Um, I mean, if, if you get five, look at it from this standpoint, if he's, if he's your four or five, which I think he was signed to be, um, if you're getting five innings out of him, six innings, and give, he's giving up an average of three runs per outing, then that's all you expected out of Drew Smiley. Right now he's got a 431 ERA, which is pretty much exactly that, what I just described. Um, you don't have a great offense. We already knew that going in. Um, he's a lefty. That gives you some more value. I mean, I really do see a situation where everybody's going to call and inquire. They know the Cubs are sellers. It's obvious at this point, even though they don't have to be, they could probably win the division if they added. Felt like it. Yeah. Give it a go. I, I feel like they still could. I mean, it's, it, there's no reason that you can't overtake the Reds or Brewers. There really isn't except for that. They're not buyers. And I don't think any Cub fan wants to sell the farm in order to just compete and lose in the first round of the wild card, because I think we're all feeling that this is not a very magical year. Um, it doesn't have that even in, even those bad years when you're like, we're not very good, but we're just somehow winning, you know, those years where you're yeah. like hanging around 500 through the all-star break. You're like, I don't know how they're doing this with, you know, band-aids and, and vinegar and, and duct tape, but somehow it's working. That's not this year. Right. They don't, these are the travel ball boys. They're, they're not very interesting and they don't have a lot of spark. Um, we're playing the nationals. Interestingly enough, speaking of travel ball, they have a winning record on the road for as terrible a team as they are. They beat us three or four. I was going to say they were pretty good ball. at home against us the last time. So that's not necessarily great news for Cubs fans. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to hear all the people being like, hey, we got to burn it. We got an easier second half. So this could happen. No, we don't. Because part <laughs> of that was the Arizona Diamondbacks, who we actually play off seven games against. They're in first place. Guess what? They weren't as bad as everybody thought, even though they only got one pitcher. They are having a magical year. That's the team that I'm talking about. Like, that's what I'm this guy, Steve, I know who lives down there. He's a cup fan and he's a diamondbacks fan. He's having a great time going to Arizona diamondbacks games this year. Cause they got Zach gallon. He's pitching over his skis. They've got all these young dudes overperforming just to kind of like the reds and they're beating tough teams. And they're sitting right there in what are they in first now? Or they're in second. They're in second. They just had a really rough series against the brewers, but those two teams are so focused on each other. I feel like the Cubs could carve out like a sneaky attack against them. Yeah. Well, and and we are the large market. Right. We are. This the is team... the team that should flex. Those two teams can't flex. No, but, and they're not even trying that hard. I mean, I would say that, you know, the Brewers, they probably wish Brewers brass right now would probably somebody like, probably wish that somebody like the Cubs or the or any team they don't really care who the pirates like they wouldn't care would give them cover to sell off their starting pitching right now which you know corbin burns uh brandon woodruff uh they would love to sell, sell some of that stuff and and get stronger for the future because this is the end of that window for them those guys are going to be free agents and it's going to reset anyway because they're not going to be able to afford to resign them. Right. So uh, they're going to be Yankees or whatever it's going to be or Dodgers or whoever ends up getting those guys. You know, I, I don't know if it's Woodruff's last year. It's one of their – it's I, one of their – it's their second to last year and the other one's their last year, I think. I don't think it's uh, both. I don't think last. Hold on. Um yeah. Fact check me as I just sit here. God, you're just, just making me use my fan graphs, mad skills all the time. So Corbin Burns uh, is a free agent in 2025. Yeah, so um, we got him So next year. he has another year, but you get a better return when you trade somebody before they're yada yada. Um, 
And Brandon Woodruff is also a free agent in 2025. So they have both of those dudes for next year. But I I think that the, what you're remembering is that there was discussion that the Brewers might trade one of them uh, because they are a team that has to constantly be replenishing that farm system in order to maintain their competitiveness. They are the smallest media market in baseball. And so um, that's why, for example, they traded Josh Hader last year, even though they were in contention because they had a closer in reserve and they needed the pieces that they could get back from uh, San Diego in order to maintain competitiveness for the future. And I believe one of those pieces was Estuary Ruiz, who they then turned into that three-way deal for William Contreras, right? So you sort of see how the Brewers are like constantly shifting and moving in order to get cost-controlled players for the future while also maintaining their competitiveness. Um, I think they'd have a much harder time. I don't think they want to trade either of these dudes right now, frankly. Woodruff has been hurt all season. They need him to come back as sort of like their non-trade acquisition to like have a real solid second half. And Corbin Burns, you know, they need him to be an ace, period. Yeah. Well, and they're, well, they're in first place. I mean, and right now, Fangraphs has the, in their predictive standings. Uh, Fangraphs has them winning the division, and there's no, do. yeah, nobody else is coming. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like the Reds you know, have activated Christian Encarnacion Strand. They're calling up all the prospects. They're like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna call up the whole farm system. Yeah, and and I feel like maybe there was just some promise in place. Like we, you talked before about the how Tucker Barnhart is splitting time with the Miguel Amaya, and and uh, then go and get the rest of the starts. Like that, that's got to be like some handshake agreement between him and Mancini. Hey, you know, no matter what, we're going to throw you out there two, three times a week and don't worry about it. Like we're not letting the kids play yet. We're not that team. Like, cause Ross, the consummate grizzled veteran obviously has a soft spot for these dudes. Cause he plays them all the time. So, <laughs> Yeah. I, well, I don't even know. I, David Ross is, playing time decisions are mind boggling to me. I'm like Tucker Barnhart in there for hashtag. I'm sure yesterday he thought he was doing fans a solid with Tucker Barnhart pitching to Jan Gomes. Isn't it funny? And I was just furious. I was like, why am I watching both of the not Wilsons in the same game in this dumpster fire of a season? Uh, and what's, what's ironic is this is the best season the Cubs have had in two years. So it's like a dumpster fire of a season, but it's a less dumpster fire of a season than the last two. Let's talk about some hot and cold bats. Um, I can do this quickly. The Cubs have one hot bat over the last two weeks. His <laughs> name is Cody Bellinger. He's not going to be a Cub very long. Cody Bellinger's WRC plus in the last two weeks uh, is 261. Everybody else is under 110, period, the end. There were two guys who were hovering around 105, 104. So yay, but like everybody else is not hot. Uh, cold bats though. We have quite a few. Ian Happ has a WRC plus of 52 over the last two weeks and change. Trey Mancini is even worse at 51. Jan Gomes is still worse at 45. Nico Horner has been ice cold. His WRC plus is 40 over the last two weeks and change. And disturbingly, he's like striking out a lot over that time period. So I don't know if he just misses second base or what, but like Nico, pick it up, buddy. Uh, And then Jared Young, who like, seriously, bring Matt Mervis up, do it yesterday, has a WRC plus of negative 21. He has been 121% worse than league average at driving in runs over the last two weeks. That experiment is going well. Yeah. I mean, he was, this was never supposed to be the way it was. Like, this was not what we meant with let's the kids play either. Like, (laughs) you know, it's (laughs) not that kid. He's not, is he even a kid? He's what, like 27? Yeah, exactly. He's an old kid. I mean, they're probably just letting him. Get He's some like the money. Bryce Wendell kid. <laughs> exactly. They're probably just, hey, thanks for all your service. We're going to get you a bunch of service time. Here's a million bucks for playing here this year. 500000 Like, you know, that's a huge – I mean, people don't think about it in this way, but when you're in the minor leagues and you're making jack, um, you, you know, your, your bonus, if you were a bonus baby in the first place and you'd been there for seven years, it's spent. Like, it's all gone. All your bonus has been spent on your trading and living in the offseason. And now – it's such a huge pay upgrade to come from the minor leagues up to the majors. Like even to have half a year in the majors or a month is life changing money for these guys. You know, um, they can live off, off of it for years if they're not idiots with the money, you know, I mean, give me 
$200,000 right now and you will not see me for two years because I'll be like rolling around. I'll be in Argentina hanging out, eating steak. Like I'll make it last. You know what I mean? Like I will make that money last. You know, these guys, they're thinking the same thing. They have not made, mil- they're not millionaires, you know? So Jared Young probably happy as a clam. Um, but yeah, we need to see Matt Mervis. If he's going to be the future, he needs to be the guy we need to see up here. Unless they're working on something so incredibly, incredibly specific down there that you have to have Mally down there dealing with them in Iowa. Unless it's that, I want to see him up here trying to hit real major league pitching. For real. I mean, in the worst case scenario, like it doesn't work and you're exactly where you are anyway which is you're not going to make the playoffs and you got some of your guys some additional at bats that they wouldn't have been able to get in a normal competitive season I mean I don't have any proof of this but I think that part of the reason Christopher Morrell has been better this season than he was last season he's had a lot of uncompetitive at bats at the end of last season right like he started out gangbusters he really struggled against breaking and off-speed stuff and he's not struggling against that stuff this year but how many pitches did he have to see and flail at and swing at last year? We all were like, oh my God, he strikes out 38% of the time before he could do that at the major league level consistently. And he looks a lot better right now because of it. Yeah. Um, you got to let Matt Mervis do the same thing. And at some point in time, you're probably going to have to let PCA do the same thing. And I, they might as well do it now. Like, what are we even waiting on? Right? Like let's, you know, trade Marcus Stroman. Let's see what Ben Brown has. Let's see what Javier Assad can do in a starting role. I, for the life of me, can't tell if Javier Assad's problems stem from the fact that he's getting used in garbage time erratically by David Ross in the weirdest ways possible versus being a starter who can like prepare for his starts and like know who he's going to face and do the thing that he's been training to do his whole life. Speaking of garbage time, Alzali? Dude, I was furious. <laughs> I was, that was bonkers. I was just like, why, David Ross? Why? There's so many stupid decisions that I could only conclude that Ross is stupid. Like, and I know he's, not, I mean, it's just, it just keeps going. It's like every day there's something like you losing the DH, pin, uh, changing the pitcher at some weird time, bringing in Jared Young for a guy who just hit a grand slam. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, Jared Young will still get paid <laughs> if he's sitting on the bench. He doesn't care. My personal favorite was yesterday. Whoever operates the electronic scoreboard truly just like gave up by the end of the game because there were all sorts of weird things. Like at one point they had Tucker Barnhart coming into the game for the designated hitter, Trey Mancini as the pitcher, which you would never do. And I was like, what is going on with the scoreboard right now? I'm like, I think the dudes up there are just like, whatever, we're done. Like somebody just, somebody just like stopped. They like had all these weird like position switches and stuff that I was just like, I don't think that's right. And then they would flip it and it would be right again. And I was just like, this is nuts. But I feel that because honestly, that's how I felt keeping score. I'm like, do I really have to like track all of the guys who touched the ball during this exchange <laughs> in a game that the Cubs are losing by 10 runs? <laughs> also, something we didn't talk about in the series recap from yesterday that I just has to be mentioned until the eighth inning when the Red Sox inexplicably brought in Jake Berea to like save the Cubs run differential or whatever, just like left him in for two innings. The Cubs had one hit, eight walks and a hit batsman. So had 10 base runners on one hit and could not score to any, it was the most yeah. pathetic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And it's incredible in, in garbage time when they're just trying to end the game and, and you can't, and they can't do it. Yeah. No, it, it looked bad. I mean, the you win the one game. It reminded me of the series that was right before that where they won the Friday game big. Um, not not the Yankees series, their last home series, which was against the Phillies? No, it was who do we play after the Phillies? I don't, I don't care. All right, I'm looking. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> Cleveland. Cleveland. It was Cleveland sure. that came to town. We beat them ten to one, and then lost six nothing and eight to six. Like it's it just like you, you, like it's like you said at the beginning of the show. They come in, they show that they're good, and, and they put up a bunch of runs. They're having fun. That you know they're they're getting the clutch hits. They're going four for eight with runners in scoring position, and then the next day they're one for twelve with runners in scoring position or something like that. They you know big big moments like you'll have second and third hap comes up, takes his walk, you know, and you're like, no, we need a single, like just, we, 
it's all happening out of order. I don't understand the the batting order. I don't understand players playing out of position for half of this year. I don't understand uh, some of the pinch hitting or the pitching substitution. And this is stuff that stupid fans constantly are second guessing and Monday morning quarterbacking. And I get that. Like I get that we don't have all the information. We don't really uh, get it. But there's some. Some, but we've all watched this game so much that there are just kind of regular things that normally happen that make general sense to most people. And those are the things you normally see. This year's been different. This year we've seen real head-scratcher lineups, and it's not because of a lack of personnel sometimes. It's because they're just making weird moves. You know, like, we're going to let Miles Mastropone play every day even though Patrick Wisdom just hit a home run, you know, or Morrell gets benched or Amaya gets benched. Like Ross, had, it seems like he's playing favorites or they're saying, play this guy, play this guy, play this guy. We want to see what they what we have with Master Boney. They obviously want <laughs> you to You have that. a dude with an OPS under 500. That's what you have with Miles Master Boney, and it's terrible, and I am over it. Speaking of guys and their hitting ability, let's talk about the Nationals. Hot yeah. bats really fast before we close out this show. Uh, they have hot bats, unlike the Cubs. It's going to be interesting to see how they do against the worst Cubs pitchers. Uh, C.J. Abrams has a WRC plus of 176 over the last two weeks. Uh, Alex Call has a WRC plus of 152. Joey Manessa's heating up. He's had a bunch of home runs recently. WRC plus of 149 over the last two weeks. Dom Smith, 113. And Jamer Candelario, our former Cub friend, who I believe was traded for Justin Wilson and Alex Avila. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, no, uh, you're right. Uh, he has a WRC plus of 112, and the Cubs might have to give something up if they want to get him back in the fold, which is just a lol sob emoji all over the place. Uh, the cold bats for the Nationals, Kbert Ruiz, 58. Uh, Corey Dickerson at 48. Luis Garcia of the Nationals. You got to spec your Luis Garcia people. Uh, 31. Ildemaro Vargas, old friend, also at 31. And Stone Garrett, who has a very cool name, but a very cold bat, has a WRC plus of negative one, which negative numbers are usually the fast track to the worst bat on the list. But Jared Young is outdoing him by 20% at the moment. Yeah, they're, they're not that grave an offense. In fact, I'd say they're bad. Um, they have the second fewest homers in the majors. They they don't strike out a lot, but they don't walk either. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of in-play stuff, but it's not going to go over the wall most likely. Um, they don't see they don't see a lot of bases. Cubs have, are a better team than them in all categories. Um, their bullpen stinks. They've given up the most homers uh, out of their bullpen. They've given up uh, – they don't strike anybody out. They don't – they walk a bunch of batters like – their defense is worse than the Cubs. So by all metrics, the Cubs are a better team than the Nationals. The only thing is the Nationals are having a weird team, where a weird year where they're winning a bunch on the road, which is just where they happen to be right now. And the Cubs have just happened to be the Cubs this year. And it's and all the things that are going right for us end up not working. So I don't, you know, I throw my hands up this year. I'm just going to enjoy it. It's going to sit out at the ballpark pay as little as I can to get in and enjoy the atmosphere and my friends and, you know, the peanuts and the Cracker Jacks and all that stuff. And then uh, we, and I will continue to, to say that they should trade who they can um, or don't trade at all. Like maybe you need to set the market. Sometimes you don't want to get fleeced just for the sake of getting fleeced. Make, make Stroman stay on the team. If nobody will give you something good for it. Why just kick him off the team? You know? just for no reason. Like you still have games to play. You still have fans to play in front of like, let's not blue Friday this for no reason. Um, you know, but the, the nationals they're ahead of the Cubs right now. They're letting their kids play. You know, this kid that was, is pitching for them tonight is their future. And he, he's getting his chance to learn the league and to be a, effective pitcher for them in the future. Like Mackenzie Gore in a year or two might be fearsome. And right now he's just a pretty good young pitcher. And um, we're not, we're not doing that. We got a bunch of old guys <laughs> that, that you know, I mean, it's just, it's directionless, Sarah. It's a directionless team. Like I don't even see a plan in place except for like, I hope these young kids we got a few years back end up paying it out. 
I mean, there's no plan. I Jed Hoyer made a, has made a series of decisions that have led the Cubs to, in the past, since the Hoyer era began, get rid of you, Darvish, Kyle Schwarber, Victor Caratini, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, Jason Hayward, who was incidentally doing dynamite things for the Dodgers. The Cubs could never get anything out of Jason Hayward. And and that's just off the top of my head. Like, I'm sure there's other pitchers and David Robertson. Like, I'm sure there's other guys that I could throw in here that they have traded. They traded Drew Smiley at least once, maybe twice. I don't even know. They are not close to competing after all of those trades. And like the only dude that has actually played for the Cubs from any trade that Jed Hoyer has done is Hayden Wisniewski, who he got for Scott Efros, which is just like this random thing that like lucked into his favor. There is no indication that Jed Hoyer is good at his job. There's no indication that this team will be competitive in 2024 or 2025. If you really want to like burst your bubble and like feel sad, go look at the Fangraphs review of who Pete Crow Armstrong is because he's not Chris Bryant incarnate. He's not Javier Baez incarnate. He is a mid-level, mid-range center fielder. He's not a cornerstone of any franchise. He's not the dude that you build a thing around. The Cubs let all of those dudes go. They let all of those dudes go for, and the single best piece they got back is like a fourth outfielder for a lot of teams. So congratulations, Jed. You played yourself. I too will enjoy the cheap tickets into the foreseeable future because that is where the Cubs are at as a franchise. Danny, while we're complaining about the Cubs sucking and <laughs> the fact that Jed Hoyer, for some reason, seems to be immune from being fired, where will we, where can people find you and your takes? Well, I'll be at Sunranto on Twitter and all the major social media sites. Um, so just Follow follow the Sunranto Ranto show. Follow me on Twitter at Sunranto, and you'll see all that I've got to talk about. By the way, tickets not cheap tonight. Thirty three dollars because of the stupid Hawaiian shirt that they're giving away. Oh, they they have put giveaways on like all of the days that should be cheap just to get as much money out of fans as humanly possible. It is honestly kind of the worst. Um, they're also doing like the Ernie Bank statue on Wednesday to make sure that you have to pay for some terrible matchup between like Patrick Corbin and Kyle Hendricks to see the <laughs> nationals play. Like it's totally bonkers. Patrick it's, Corbin, by the way, mater, uh, maternity leave, uh, paternity leave. So oh, I, is that maybe, why he's TBD? Yeah, maybe it would. Yeah. Cause it would have been his turn on Tuesday, but maybe he's back by then. I don't know. It seems like he left on Friday. So I don't know how Whatever. long babies take to be born. Uh, these it days. doesn't matter so, anyway. Like who cares, Danny? Like somebody's going to pitch. The Cubs aren't going to hit them. It's it's going to be fine. It'll probably be some random dude from AAA. It'll be his only appearance in the majors. That's what the Cubs do these days. We'll when that happens, <laughs> you can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. We'll be talking about it at Cup of Cubby Blue and on the Bleacher Bunch Network. Be sure you are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Until next time.